Welcome to The Dish, an action movie review podcast by two friends who don't know much about movies or the foods we compare them to. I'm Mitch, bringing you a quick message about episode one. This was our first attempt at recording, and before we had decided if this would even work, so the audio quality isn't the best, but it's not terrible. We hope it's still digestible for you. Every episode after this one sounds more like I do right now. If high fidelity is something that you can't live without, then feel free to skip to episode two, but know that you'll miss out on the genesis of a couple of segments, jokes, and what we hope is the beginning of some entertainment that you'll enjoy the taste of again and again. Thanks for listening, and enjoy. So I was thinking about what we should call this, and I have an idea. Something like Movie Dish with Zach and Mitch. Welcome to the dish. It's going to be a big, tasty, 90s action movie dish. That's a fun idea. Yeah. You mentioned how you like the, the term of phrase, to dish. I do like that. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, and there's a lot of people who are really into movie and food culture. They are. We can make some really fun. good... Uh, <laughs> Some good food analogies. So, do you want to discuss the layout of our pod first, or do you? Wanna... Yeah. So, yeah. I figure we could do something like we can uh, kind of both back and forth do the synopsis, or not even synopsis, just our like review or the plot. Like, how do we go through the plot? Just a quick summary of the movie, or do you want to do like we go through the movie and yes and each other throughout what happens? <laughs> Oh, I was thinking the same thing you are, that we just go through and kind of recap, like a Cliff Notes of the movie, and just, uh, you know, we can... Take our time. Of it, things of interest. Yeah. And then do a little uh, dick and fart joke critique of it afterwards. Okay. I um, think there's going to be a good amount of dick and fart joke stuff during. I, I, uh, I basically used my, like, primary note paper area for what's going on in the movie, and then in the margins I wrote my jokes. <laughs> Nice. There's also some. I mean, it's it's pretty. It's a it's a clusterfuck for sure. But I mixed business with pleasure in my notes. Excellent. So it's all kind of a cluster. Cluster notes. You want to jump right in? Yeah. So today's movie was Patriot Games, a 1992 Tom Clancy film starring Harrison Ford as Jack Ryan. Yeah, which is a sequel to um, Hunt for October, which surprised me because it didn't seem that linear from where it left off there was james earl jones in both movies and if star wars has taught me anything then that means they're related so it takes place if it's in real time two years after the hunt for october which is incidentally funny because our first movie that got us onto this idea was the hunt for october or the fro and um <laughs> we were gonna watch crimson tide and have that be our first like dish but in searching Prime for Crimson Tide, we found that it was not for free, but Patriot Games was, and wouldn't you know it, it's, according to Wikipedia, a sequel to... As fate would have it, we are cheap bastards, which is why we are on Patriot Games and not Crimson Tide. Four dollars is the difference between a submarine uh, initial pod and <laughs> a, uh, a Harrison Ford initial pod. He's pretty awesome. I love watching Harrison Ford kill people. Me too. He has a kind of acting, like his mobility when he acts, especially in action scenes. It's just, I love how, like, anti-fluid, like, he's just, he has such jarring, like, like, when he got shot, 
I only thought he got shot because you, they didn't show anyone. Sorry, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. Spoiler alert. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jack Ryan gets shot. It's in the first five minutes, though, so I'm not spoiling too much. But I just wanted to say, and maybe we can, I'll touch on it when we get there. But uh, yeah, like that's the only reason I realized that he had even gotten hit because I didn't see anybody shoot him. He just like whipped himself around so fast. I was like, oh, fuck. And then, yeah. Yeah, yeah. he's a great physical actor. Truly. Um, that's a much quicker and more concise way of putting what I just said yeah and seeing the credits we get some great names sean bean is in it so we immediately know that he will die um or at least strong telegraph of his character's death yeah uh chekhov's bean (laughs) if you if you will samuel jackson's in it and james earl jones were the ones that all stood out to me (laughs) my notes i say uh, opening irish music it, it kind of sets the tone, so that was my first inkling as to, mm, maybe it's going to be the IRA as the terrorist. Mm, interesting. Really? That, yeah. yeah. I figured, I knew there were terrorists, and then they started with one of those, like, let's have someone run through the grass pointing the camera at the ground for, like, three minutes. Then it panned up to see Jack Ryan's house, and the answering machine is going off, and Jack Ryan's leaving a message to his, I assume, housekeeper? You know, hey, the goldfish are almost definitely dead. We're in London. Uh, And so they are. In a hotel, no less. Just by the, like, you know, slow pan through the house, we can see that Jack Ryan is living large. He's got a nice Maryland mansion on the Cape next to cliffs and and waters and lots of wind. We get to the hotel room. The camera pans across. He's leaving a message playing Monopoly with his daughter and wife, who... um, I must say that we've had, in my opinion, both a, a, a boon and a curse with this new iteration of Jack Ryan in that his voice is way better because he's not uh, Alec Baldwin. Yes, this is real life. This is really happening. But we lost Bev. And by Bev, I mean <laughs> Gates McFadden, also known as Beverly Crusher, is no longer Jack Ryan's wife. But you still have a, a you know very 90s hot redhead for the part. Yeah, in uh, Hunt for October, they really teased... Gates McFadden, just, she was like grabbing her coat off the coat rack and left. Jack, you're going to miss the plane. And that was the only scene that she was in. I really wanted more Crusher. I know. She's gorgeous. Yeah, I screamed when I saw her in that movie. So what I've got here, wife still smoking, still ginger, is what I wrote for... (laughs) Yeah, I actually shot, for a second I thought it was the mom from Home Alone. Kevin! Oh yeah, I could Um, see that. But then I realized that... I don't know. Something about her was a little bit different. But yeah, definitely a smoke show. Did you notice in that scene, it looked like they had the daughter playing the role of the banker? In which? In, in, when they were playing Monopoly? She was the banker? I think I think they gave her the banker role. I missed that. You can't a trust a child with move. money. Oh, we're going to have you practice your math by being the banker in Monopoly. Little did they know, little Sally is a <laughs> con artist. Yeah. Hundred pounds. Oh. I haven't got it. You win. Oh. I'm out. She's skimming the top, no doubt. And the end of the, the scene, they definitely she brings her uh, her special sexy outfit. Yeah, and which she was apparently just wearing with like an open robe during Monopoly. It seems. Yeah, that's uh, that's a little risky. Yeah, I I think that little Sally probably. I mean, because you know she's putting Sally to bed. Sally being the daughter. And, uh, oh yeah, she's asleep instantly. Let me close the door of this hotel room. And there's champagne here, so I can, we can go in and bang in the middle of like, I, in what ho- in what situation do you like, totally get it on 
in the hotel with your kid right on the other side of the of the door. This is also paper thin. Yeah, yeah. Sally's got to be traumatized after that because they do not skip a beat before they bone down. Is she asleep? Mm-hmm. They really don't. And this is just the beginning of uh, the trauma which Sally will receive <laughs> in the coming two hours. <laughs> We've got several opportunities for that. So we cut to, I think it was Harrison Ford giving a speech at a university, I think. At the Royal Navy Academy. Yeah, at the Royal Navy Academy. Mm-hmm. And he's talking about Soviet tech. Um, and like how they don't know, like, I think it's like their insight into it or something, but I, I kind of felt like this was the tie, the tie between I didn't catch that, the Fro but... and this movie. Yeah. Cause in the Fro, it was all about, um, the discovery of the Russian or the Soviet caterpillar drive. Mm-hmm. The sound... yeah, so I guess, drive. yeah. So I guess that was the connection or at I least think a it was. small tease of it. I wanted a Sean Connery cameo in this scene so badly. I wouldn't miss it for the world, Trebek. Oh, that would have been great. I was like, I was like scanning the old men in the audience looking for the sexiest <laughs> one, and he wasn't there. Uh, I just, I just think it'd be so cool if, um, if Ramius was in the fucking lecture, like, thanks, Drac, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like that would just that would have been an awesome uh, tie-in. Even it, and they probably need to pay Sean Connery like. I don't know, probably what they paid Harrison Ford for that cameo <laughs> for <laughs> right. this whole movie. Maybe not the budget for that. Yeah, but gosh, it would have been great. We we cut to Sean Bean in a in an English taxi. Uh, almost, and I, I thought to myself, okay, Sean Bean, waiting for Irish accents. You made your bottom, potty boy. And there they were. They're definitely part of the IRA, or, or so we are led to believe, and they are plotting an assassination attempt on I think the cousin a cousin and their and family of the royal family yeah this wasn't ever really made clear in the whole movie of what their motivation was I didn't think I mean something about well we're gonna strike out of the ruling class what we what we come to find fairly quickly is that this is like a more fanatical sect of the IRA yeah, yeah, but they're they're after this one guy in particular, Holmes. Holmes, yeah, um, not the detective. So, um, yeah, we see Sean Bean and an accomplice who turns out to be his younger brother in the back seat of the car. They're kind of staking out from within. The royal family leave in a couple of cars, mm-hmm. and they Sean Bean and his little bro and his entourage really make their move in that they don ski masks and try to assassinate or at least take hostage members of the royal family. I think they were going to kill him. I I, got that idea. You don't put a bomb under someone's car without the intent of killing them. Yeah, the the one thing that made me think that they might have wanted to take them hostage is they were trying to rent to get them out of the car. And I think if they, unless they knew they had bulletproof, unless they had intel that the glass was bulletproof, but they shot the drivers through the windshield, just like lit them up. That's true. Like, yeah. The, the apparently like team of drivers that they had for this like Fair. lunch outing or whatever. Yeah. So I was kind of thinking maybe they wanted like a hostage situation and get you know trade ransom lives or, or you know I, I probably know. Irish IRA prisoners or something. Yeah. That would make sense. That would make sense. I uh, I do have here. Uh, those explosives didn't kill anyone, which 
You know, because I thought, oh, what a great idea. You know, you, you hold guns at them, you put a bomb into the car, and then you run away, and then the second you're out of, out of range before they can get out, you blow it up and kill them. That's not what they did. They just, like, blew up the, the front part of the car. I guess to disable it? Yeah. Which, I, I mean, I shooting the drivers a bunch does the same thing. I think it was... It seemed kind of like a shock and awe tactic. Yeah. More than, like, actually trying to kill anyone. But we find out Jack Ryan is just about 20 yards away from all this. Oh, yeah. We should mention just prior, um, little Sally Ryan and, and Kathy, the wife, were, like, at the royal palace. You know, Sally's, like, sticking her tongue out at the, at the guards, that, you know, the ones with the big furry hats that don't move and all that. So, yeah, they're, like, right there. And Jack Ryan, I guess, is finishing a lecture or something, and he's walking to meet them when this all happens. They're, they're like, all right in the action. So stage two traumatization of Sally happens here. <laughs> Get down! Get down! <laughs> right, yeah, she's in for a ride, this whole movie. For sure. So at this point, little Sally sees about six Irishmen gun down a couple of royal drivers and attempt to take hostage these homes and family. But not before our hero, Harrison Ford, as Jack Ryan runs in and just totally tackles one of the terrorists onto the car. Right, which is something I, it was kind of astounding to me that he kind of abandoned his family in this moment where, where there's a number of people with guns. Yeah. He's a CIA agent. Or, or like retired CIA agent. He throws himself into the fray with these they just made me criminals mad. or terrorists and really exposes him and his family. It seemed kind of short-sighted on, on his part. I agree. I think they tried to touch on that in the movie. But yeah, I was kind of surprised because he's like, get down. And they're just standing in like, you know, a patch of grass on the side of the road. And then they do get down. They see the men with guns. And he runs over and, you know, makes sure they're crouching <laughs> and then sprints at the at the baddies. Right. Yeah. I, I, I think he has enough like knowledge of how these situations unfold where he should have probably just run away with them to a safe distance. Yeah. Not gotten killed or got what happened if he just ran away with his family there wouldn't even be a movie It'd no movie very happy live very happily ever after well that's the whole reason why he had to run in you see <laughs> otherwise we wouldn't have patriot games the two gunmen at the car so happened to be sean bean's character who is uh sean miller and his brother whose name i don't remember but uh let's just call him uh what do they call him like patty or something patty boy that's a great uh, kind of stereotypical Irish name. So yeah, sure. It, I think they. I think it was almost like a term for like a young Irish kid. Oh, is it? Okay. it? It was revealed after Jack Ryan shoots him that he was like sixteen. Yeah, the yeah. brother is. So yeah, gunfight ensues. He gets shot. Whips around with that great Harrison Ford uh, physical acting. Shoots a couple more dudes and then points a gun at Sean Bean Miller in this case. And as the cops arrive, and so at this point he's killed. Miller's brother and has Miller at gunpoint, the cops drive and arrest him. This is something where I was like, okay, clearly there's like terrorists with the ski masks, right? But Harrison Ford is still all up in that action, holding a gun. I'm really surprised they didn't arrest him too. I'm thinking the headcanon they want you to do there is assume that he's maybe explained some of the situation to the police when they arrived, that he intervened. But you would still assume that they would take him in for questioning. Yeah, yeah, you'd think. But instead you get, like, the Harrison Ford withered stare 
because he's been shot and he's in shock. And like you mentioned earlier, I, I didn't see him get shot. I mean, I saw where they revealed where he was shot, but I don't know if that was played up to make him seem heroic where he takes a bullet and he forges on. But it seemed more to me like it was just kind of a bad bad action sequence. Yeah, like they missed a shot somewhere there. Yeah. I guess they just didn't get it or or it was cut together poorly perhaps. Or maybe we just missed it. But he definitely got shot. It was not super clear until like he's at the hospital and, and or we see him bleeding on the ground. But it's, you know, a little bit of like 90s blood dabbed on his shirt. Yeah. So it wasn't Some super ketchup. clear. Which, by the way, one of my notes was Jack Ryan gets put in a World War One hospital. <laughs> Did you notice that all these beds were like right next to each other? Yeah, with like red blankets. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty strange. It felt like a field hospital. Rather that's, than like a royal hospital right next to like the palace. Right. That And that's where I was thinking like, because it shows the news clip like, you know, American tourist hero saves royal family, whatever. They're like, here's who the dude is. And he's in an undisclosed London hospital. Were it not for the heroic efforts of this man, John Patrick Ryan, the American tourist who broke up the assassination attempt. So like, I haven't Googled it, but there's only so many hospitals in London, right? It's got to be. And you also have to imagine it would be like within maybe two miles of where the action happened. Right. And that to me, that kind of like, I would say that set the tone for me just as much as the, the Irish music at the beginning, because I was immediately nervous. The terrorists are just going to, they're going to bust into this hospital right here and now. Because, <laughs> you know, there's, there's still two of them at large, at least. I had to wonder with this kind of setup, why would they even reveal personal details of someone involved that soon i don't think does that is that a common occurrence that seems just kind of reckless it's definitely not a common occurrence in america i cannot speak for england i mean i think it's definitely reckless especially when there were like multiple witnesses multiple terrorists we know some of the terrorists got away as did i'm sure a lot of the eyewitness reports would know that yeah in my mind really reckless and that's i think what like got me got my nerves going from the very beginning from, from here going forward, it's the terrorists are after them, or after Jack Ryan and his family. Here's Johnny! Yeah, it definitely kind of telegraphed that a little bit. I mean, um, when they pulled Sean Bean's ski mask off, you saw him just seething with rage looking at his dying brother. Right. And then the next scene, plastered all over the news, is Harrison Ford's mug. Yeah. And so you gotta kind of connect the dots and go, well, like, you know, they're gonna I, come after him. I feel like the media is like, okay, how can we make the terrorists more angry? Here's, right. Here's how. Right. Yeah. De definitely uh, a bad call on their part. So the next couple of scenes were after the hospital scene were a bit of a blur to me because it was meant to be a little bit un a bunch of unfamiliar people with yeah. interactions. You're not sure who's who and what's going on. Right. It's kind of a, I think the next scene we're brought to a mano a mano, two guys. Um, there was who we now know is Kevin mm -hmm. talking to, I think, Jimmy. Jimmy, yeah. Who I have um, as gritty Irish hair. <laughs> <laughs> or gritty Irish 90s hair. He had, and it's revealed later, he had the most Irish last name ever. What was it? Ever. It was like... O'Flannery or something? Yeah, it was like O'Donna Flannery or something. Oh, man. Like a, like an amalgamation of multiple uh, Irish names. I feel like you have to belong to a, a, a special um, sect to, to get that many. That, that's a great point. And 
Do you get more Irish names the deeper into the IRA you get? Like, do they just give you new Irish names? <laughs> Mickey McFinnigan, I challenge you to a drinking contest. I wonder, yeah, like, do you get a do you get a new name when you go in the IRA, like an alias to hide your real identity? Yeah, like so it just becomes more Irish, like more, the deeper you get. Yeah, it, there, <laughs> it's it's just like masturbatory Irish naming. <laughs> so, so yeah, this guy, this super Irish Jimmy guy, is revealed to be a bit of a horn dog at the end of the scene because he uh, sees, I guess, a very attractive barmaid or someone who is just a or patron in the bar. Yeah, yeah. he takes off his wedding ring and. Uh, begins after her. So yeah, he sh- shacks up with her, um, but which turns out is a bad decision. Yeah, they're getting hot and horny in the bed. She's like, "Oh, I forgot in my bag." But yeah, she starts rummaging around in her purse, and uh, he starts bemoaning, "Oh, you don't have a condom, do you?" Well, she did bring protection, but not of the sexual kind. Yeah. Just so happens to be a silenced pistol in there, right? Which the sound effect for that was seemed like the most James Bond Goldeneye dubbed in noise. Yeah, I think they cut that directly from the Nintendo sixty four version. Yeah, something was like that. Yeah, and dubbed it into the movie. So yeah, she he she shoots him right in the fucking head. After the fact, we see the Kevin guy who just talked to Jimmy get phoned up by her or vice versa because we learn very soon after that she was a plant from Kevin. Kevin, who was in the bar with Jimmy, who, you know, said, oh, go get at her, very clearly set up the situation. So I guess they were assassinating this guy for some reason. Why? But definitely a lot I of I think if we watched it again, we would figure it out pretty quickly. But yeah, if, o- if only we could go back and double check. If only. <laughs> uh, I'm afraid we can't, though. <laughs> Kevin knows that people are coming after him. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. But didn't Jimmy say, like, so-and-so is going to come by your house, don't get angry? He sure did. I guess that means that Jimmy was like an IRA higher up. Kevin was on the original assassination attempt, and he left Sean Miller behind. And that's what they were talking about in the scene. Yeah, either take him out or uh, kneecap him or... Have a stern talking to. Yeah. I guess that makes sense, because then once Jimmy's guys go and see Kevin that night, he like just gets off the phone with, uh, with Hot Assassin Lady... The house is getting surrounded by IRA guys with guns. And they knock on the door with a pistol and then shots fired. Yeah, Kevin blasts them through the window. Blasts them in a classic, like, shotgun through the, you know, curtained glass scene. Yeah, Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. Yeah, yeah, if Kevin McAllister had an army dad. Right. (laughs) So, yeah, then we see a scene after this with Holmes and his lawyer, and Jack Ryan. Like, this, this is basically like the pre-trial. I'm sure this would take a lot longer than like next day, but uh, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's what we're getting. And, uh, and I think this is where he gets knighted, right? Yeah, he, he totally gets knighted. He's like Knight Commander or something really as cool as a knight name can sound. So Yeah, it's some uh, overly obsequious title. Knight Commander of the Victorian Order. Yes. That is just a little bit... To, uh, a little over the top, as his uh, wife is like, they're calling you what now? <laughs> yeah, just just call me sir. So then we get a scene in the courtroom. Yeah, and they got the old school wigs on. Yes. Um, the... Which always kind of surprised, not surprised me, but I'm always a little tickled to see um, a British courtroom with the uh, old school wigs. Right, and they're always so like serious with the wigs. Yeah. The wigs somehow add to their severity. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> 
So we see the defense attorney for Sean Bean cross-examining and trying to grill Jack Ryan. So you're saying you didn't have time, is that it? That's correct. So you didn't? Didn't what? Think, sir. You didn't think is the point I believe you're trying to make. Right. And in doing so, he, one of his, his final question outs him as a member or former member of the CIA, which struck me as odd because that seems like it's a little bit of a line you wouldn't cross maybe in America. Right. Uh, that seems like that's kind of information that should be... It's irrelevant. It's irrelevant and it shouldn't be possibly disclosed. Right. I feel like maybe what he was trying to pull was saying like, oh, there's American involvement in this situation or they set it up or something. Because he's trying to defend Sean Miller, Sean Bean's character, as uh, you know, a, a pedestrian who had run over to help just so happened to have a ski mask and an AK-47. You know, like... Yeah, which is a flimsy-ass argument. I should say so. <laughs> Can I just say that for as flimsy as this guy's argument was, like... They really got a, a, a fucking pure DB to play this role. Like, this guy was a fucking douche. I should say so. Oh, totally. Like, yeah. he, he, uh, he was just slathering on the douchiness and, like, acting like he'd had this case on lock. <laughs> when clearly, he's fucked. You know? Yeah, yeah. I think that's kind of the way lawyers have to, you know, they have to put up a front. Yeah, um, I guess so. If even if they have a losing case, I don't think they go like, "I know this is a pretty flimsy argument, Your Honor," but <laughs> that's true. Right? Yeah. yeah, well, my guy's rightly fucked, but um, he was definitely a pedestrian, though, for, yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he asked the question, and this is kind of for me at least, where I, where I'm thinking, okay, Hunt for October took place two years ago, at least in real time. How much time has actually passed between? then and now because I didn't even realize until this point that Jack Ryan was retired. How does the Jack Ryan name live on? Is it like James Bond where they just find new people and call them Jack Ryan? Or is Jack Ryan, are we supposed to believe it's the same person that was in the last movie, Alec Baldwin? I feel like it's the same person. That, that's the idea I'm getting. Mainly because in like a couple scenes from now, we get to meet uh, James Earl Jones, and they still have a camaraderie together, which makes me think that it's the same Jack Ryan. I think it's the same person. I but the thing is, I don't know how many Jack Ryan novels there are. I am not a Tom Clancy nerd. Like yeah. I like the movies, but uh, that's a good point. I mean, I think when um, one Bond passes the torch to another, in the first movie where you have the next actor. You know, because you see a lot of icebreakers between Bond and his like auxiliary help, mm -hmm. where he'll meet Q or talk to M or whatever, and they have they kind of shoot the shit to get to know each other. Right. There was none of that here, almost as if everyone knew each other. So I think you're right. We we get a scene. They're uh, they're unpacking. They're back at home, right after the the stuff in London, the the court case in London, and we get the scene where guess what? That little romp we had at the hotel. Wouldn't you know it? I'm pregnant now. Yeah, we great get all timing. The, we get all the usual coming home after a long vacation shots. The daughter's fish got bigger. The wife is uh, <laughs> the wife is like, oh man, there's a lot of mail. And then she's like, oh by the way, I'm pregnant. 
Right. Can I can I just say I was sitting here staring at my notes like what the fuck does probably new fish mean? And yeah, it's it's because uh, they get back and the the daughter's amazed at how much bigger the fish got. They're probably new fish. <laughs> that that's what it is. We find out that uh, Kathy, Kathy, is that the wife's name? I think so. I should stop calling her the wife. The wife. Um, yeah. <laughs> Bev. <laughs> we found out we found out that Bev's pregnant, and uh, I was just laughing because the second. The next scene after this is the next morning, and they're like, they reveal to the daughter, even inadvertently, that uh, mom's pregnant. And <laughs> she's just like, Do I have no say in this? Michaela really despises her little sister. And I'm just over here, like, Does this kid want an abortion? <laughs> like, she's like, I don't want a sibling, mom. Get rid of it. <laughs> right. Yeah, classic kid. Just like, That's not what I want. <laughs> right. During this scene, the, the important thing that happens is we see, you know, the TV's on, and it just so happens to be a relevant broadcast where we get to see um, Irish Doc Brown for the first time, <laughs> which is who I have this guy, who is basically uh, the, uh, I guess he's like a media liaison for the IRA or something. That's much better than what I, I had called him, just the IRA PR guy. Yeah, he's on the TV. Uh, it seems like they're talking about something important. He's basically saying that, like, hey, that attack on the royal family the lesser royal family. That wasn't the IRA. You know, we would have announced it if we did it. We probably would have attacked the actual royal family. That was the first... Uh, I actually had a, a little tingle at the back of my neck when I saw that because I thought, huh, this is going differently than I thought. Maybe this is an allusion to that this is all... The IRA is all a red herring. Maybe it's something else. Yeah. Uh, which yeah. I thought was kind of a fun thing to sprinkle in at this point. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's definitely a little bit of like plot seasoning yeah um, yeah i like that you get a you get the idea that oh something is afoot here it's it's not just black and white it's not just the ira attacking uh british royals so meanwhile we cut to prison sean bean is stockpiling hate let the hate flow through you St staring at news clippings of jack ryan and how he's a hero and all that he's also losing makeup it seems so yeah he's he's Hanging out in jail, kind of ruminating on how he's going to get revenge. Yeah, you, you can get that just from his look. And they zoom in on his eyes, you know. It's just letterbox right across his upper nose and eyes. Yeah, and it was in this scene that I was kind of... I don't know that I've ever seen Sean Bean in a movie so early. Uh -huh. He's a really attractive guy. He is. He definitely is. At least young Sean, Sean Bean is. Yeah, I feel like he probably couldn't have been more than like... 25 27 but yeah definitely a good looking dude yeah he's yeah. got like nice blonde like naturally blonde hair blue eyes chiseled face yeah yeah he's got he's got those um just like chiseled hollywood actor lines really 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 ridiculously good looking yeah on his face a real irish yeah. irish looker yeah yeah so they are transporting I, sean did you bean. have that in your notes that sean bean's attractive no, but I made. I definitely made a mental note that yeah. was in this scene. I and... didn't write it down, but you're, you're right. Like, there were many times in the movie, I was like, man, he's got it going on. Yeah, he really, <laughs> he really does. Uh, and did. There was one other scene between here with, the, with the, uh, the hit lady where she goes to a bookshop. Good morning, Mr. Cooley. Yeah, so British hit lady. I have British hit lady, but I guess she's supposed to be Irish hit lady. I think later she just becomes starts being referred to as tits. tits. Yeah, we'll just call her tits. What's it gonna be, Kyle? You have to decide. Tits or destiny. 
as insensitive as that sounds, it's in the movie. So yeah, Tits goes to a, an antique bookshop under the guise of needing to have an old book restored, and she hands the book to the you know the cue ball book restorer guy, and he opens it up. There's a note in it talking about armaments and a transport, and I don't really understand what the significance of that was exactly. But the next scene is Sean Miller being transported from whatever jail he was in to prison. So it's a convoy. Right, right. Did you did you understand the importance of that scene? Well, it, it seemed to me that, at least it appeared to me, I could be wrong, this is kind of a little bit of conjecture because it wasn't totally clear, but that this guy arranged the fireworks in the next scene. Maybe he arranged the armaments or maybe he... I'm guessing he's an IRA guy. Yeah, I didn't... The, the note in the book was flashed very quickly. It was shown to the camera, but... Again, there's no way we could go back and double-check it. I don't know how I, we could possibly. No, I, I think it's lost to history now. But it did say something about vehicle, and mm-hmm. that's the only... I saw armaments. You saw vehicle. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. look at us just piecing I together. I think that we, with that knowledge, I think we can move on to the next scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mystery solved. Mystery solved. So they, the police are transporting Sean Bean. It's not really clear where, but may have just been a routine... Or, you know, fairly routine inmate transfer. So, yeah, we have the, the prison convoy, and uh, for whatever reason, Sean Miller's lawyer wants to come on the ride with him. Up to this, we didn't, we didn't talk about how originally when the British, the, the lawyers are trying to get information out of him to help his case, at least that's what they would say, he, he won't talk. He hasn't said a fucking word since he got arrested, except when he screamed at Ryan in the courtroom. So, yeah, the, the, the lawyer decides to come and get on with, with him, and so the convoy leaves the jail... I have it. It was kind of funny to me because he has an Irish lawyer, right? And uh, the lawyer's just like railing him, trying to like be like he's like, "Hey, I I align with your sentiments. Like, I I can't hate you for it. Like, I agree with you, right? But you won't fucking talk to me." But the present fact is that we're very near now the darkest hole in all of Great Britain, and you still won't speak to me. But at the same was time, was that his lawyer? I I I got the idea that was his lawyer. Inspector Robert Hayland. Huh, I thought I was just one of the police guys. Um, this is the guy... Maybe it was. I... Yeah, anyway, sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. Oh, you're fine. In, in either either case, it could have been... It could have been either. It doesn't really matter because of what happens next. But um, I, I had it was funny to me because he was basically the lawyer or police chief, whatever, whoever he was... Inspector Robert Hayland? ...was like railing Sean Miller with all these questions. And they're, and they're in the van, and the van's shaking. And because the van's shaking his head is nodding the whole time, so it made it look like he was affirmatively answering these questions when clearly he was not answering. Yeah. But I, I just thought that was kind of funny. The the directing in this scene I thought was interesting in that Sean Bean is behind vertical bars, like a jail cell, in this car. Everyone else is on the other side of them. But when this guy that I guess is Sean Bean's lawyer Spectre. is talking to him, it's shot such that his face is right up against the bars. And when it shoots Sean Bean, he's kind of a little bit more in the background, so it's not so much the focus isn't on the bars. It looked to me like the lawyer was the one that was kind of in jail. Oh. And I thought that was really interesting because his his eyes were between two iron bars, uh-huh. and he started to seem a little bit like a bad guy like Sean Bean, too. I he thought, did, oh, yeah. Oh, he's going to join his side. And I really wanted to see more of him. 
Yeah, I, I, I kind of felt like, man, this guy is, this is a dirty lawyer. Spectre. Or at least if he's not, he's real close to being. Yeah. And that, that I, that's a kind of cool idea. It would have been interesting to see that play out. But sadly, that that uh, headcanon does not come true because there's what I assume is a bazooka explosion shortly thereafter. The convoy um, is stopped. Kevin and friends come and break out Sean Bean from the transport. They shoot one of the cops in the car. They pull the lawyer. Inspector Robert Hayland. The other two cops out. Sean Bean kills all three of them. And they're on their way. Once again, Sean Miller's at large. Right. That greasy IRA guy. But he's hot greasy IRA guy. That is true. <laughs> that is true. Um, he's no Jimmy. Or Johnny. What was it? Jimmy. 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 He's no Jimmy. That no. was a greasy IRA guy. We, I would say that Sean Miller is hair product IRA guy, whereas Jimmy is, you know, grungy 90s IRA guy. The next scene, we see a boat just chugging along in the water, and it's got Sean Bean and company on it. And mm -hmm. the first shot inside the boat is a small animal's amount of hair on the floor which is to inform us dumb viewers, Sean Bean's had a haircut. Yeah. What a shame. <laughs> right. Right. What a shame. It yeah. was looking great. It was. It really was. Uh, but Sean Bean still looks good with short hair, too. He does. He just looks somehow younger. Sean Bean and I and company, Kevin and Tits, Tits. Uh, they're, they're talking about how they've got to get out. They need to, to strike at the royals and the upper class and all that, but... Sean Bean's caught up on Ryan, because Ryan killed his, his brother, Patty, and he just can't get over it. Yeah, yeah, he's out for blood, and um, got a one-track mind right now, and it is Jack Ryan. It's Jack Ryan. And I think in this scene, it's also revealed that this is indeed not the IRA, but an offshoot. They basically talk about the IRA's goals, and, oh, they're not our goals. Right, which gives a little bit of credence to Irish uh, Doc Brown's. Uh, testimony. Indeed. Maybe that guy's telling the truth after all. <laughs> there was a quick scene where um, we're back at the Ryan estate. The CIA shows up and none other than James Earl Jones gets out of the car. And right. who I have written here as Captain Goatee is the other guy. He he really oh, had... Oh yeah, he did have a rocking goatee. Yeah, he had like an animal on his face. You know, they, they ask him back to the CIA. James Earl Jones does. Well, first of all, they tell him that Miller escaped. And second... Don't you want to come back to the CIA? I don't remember what uh, what the question was, but the the end of the scene was James Earl go Jones going, "Yep." You're asking me if I want to come back. Yep. Which to me was so strange because I just couldn't even imagine that man saying a an abbreviation like that. Yeah, it is kind of odd. It also feels much more colloquial than you usually see in movies. Yes. It's kind of like how you fill in dead air in an awkward conversation. Yep. Like this one a, a little bit. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, yeah. Also, I just wanted to point out as well that Sally's got a Game Boy on the porch. What? She's got the fucking the gray brick. She had the brick in 92. I did not catch that. Yeah, she was. I don't know what she was playing because the noises were weird. But she was. She had a Game Boy, and that made me really happy. Oh, you know what? I think I mistook it for a phone. No, dude, <laughs> this is pre-cell phones. Wow. Or pre, you know, mobile phones. I thought she way. had one of those brick mobile phones. Mm -mm. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Brick Game Boy, no backlight. Wow. Green and yeah. black. Yeah, I had one of those back in the day. 
shortly thereafter, I, I think there's a short scene where we basically are, are led on to the fact that there was no way that the IRA should have had the, the, the knowledge that the royal family was going out on, on, a, on whatever. There was not a, a publicly announced outing. Mm. So the fact that the Sean Bean and company knew that he was leaving at that exact time means that there's an inside man. And so somewhere in this royal assignment with the British cousin or the royal cousin, there's a mole. The proverbial twist yes. is afoot. It is. Cut to the Naval Academy. Ryan's giving a speech or a lecture, I guess, mm. to uh, a very bored class. <laughs> Yeah. It seemed to me like, I don't know, maybe he's just preoccupied, but the students are like falling asleep. Mr. Biederman, bad time for you? <laughs> They're not very into listening to a guy who's been through a lot. I'd be pretty stoked to have a guy like JR give me a lecture. Yeah, man, he, he met fucking... Uh, Ramius? Ramius. This guy knows Ramius. I mean, that's, that's a one degree of separation from like one of the baddest motherfuckers on the planet. So I'd want to yeah. talk to that guy. I know, right? So, midway through this lecture, Sam Jackson walks in. None other. Pretty young Sam Jackson, and you're clued into the fact that he's fairly high rank because many of the students stand in attention mm -hmm. to his presence. Despite his very informal demeanor. Right. So, he, he walks in, and his purpose for the visit is basically to give Dr. Ryan a Razzie Award. We recognize Professor John Patrick Ryan with the order of the purple target and hope that he will duck next time lest he become part of history rather than a teacher of it is the razzie like good job you suck award is that what those are basically it's like almost kind of like academy award you did something really bad and it's kind of yeah. funny in a way <laughs> like good job you got shot so it's kind of like an inside joke but it's a, a, a little bit of humor and otherwise fairly serious movie i hope that that's a real award that a real fake award yeah. That is given between uh, compatriots in the military. That would make me happy. We can only hope if any of our no viewers out there in the military and would like to write us and confirm, please do. Please do. That would be uh, news. So suddenly, Irish terrorists are at the kids' school. We see Sally at school, and none other than Sean Bean and Kevin O'Malley, I'm going to assume. Man, we're going to lose all the Irish viewers. Um <laughs> <laughs> are uh, sitting in a very conspicuous brown van out front of a private school that Sally goes to, wait, and they're waiting for the mom to come and pick her up. But she's in surgery, taking something out of a kid's retina. So she's late. And then, meanwhile, we have Jack Ryan leaving the academy, the Naval Academy, where he was giving his lecture, and there's a strange jumpsuit guy out front. Yep, he's wearing a full sweatsuit. And Jack Ryan, at first, kind of, it appears that he's being a bit anxious, having a bit of PTSD, perhaps, where he's just kind of sweating this dude in a pair of sweats. Then he just continues about his business, but it turns out this guy is following him. Yeah, no doubt. He sees the reflection of Jumpsuit Man following him. There's a strange woman in a, in a pretty good-looking Jeep, slowly driving behind. Jumpsuit Man attacks Jack Ryan, but pretty quickly he outsmarts him, goes around the van, comes back and punches him, and at that, by that time, the guards at the Naval Academy have shot the dude. Yeah, he, he very deftly uses a, I guess, little moving truck to his advantage to get the element of surprise in this. Game. Yeah, he did well. And uh, right after this, Jack Ryan knows what's up. He's like, shit, the, uh, these IRA fools are here for me and my family. 
And he fucking hauls out of there in a like 90s tourist station wagon. Come on! Yeah, he's in a wagon, and uh, he had a hard time getting started. This is his car, I take it to. This right? is his... He didn't hotwire car, right? No, this is his car, because okay. in a previous yeah. scene, when you see the Ryan Estate, you see this iconic, terrible 90s car, the Ford Taurus station wagon, and uh, Porsche 911. What is he doing driving that hunk of junk? Yeah. But that thing books it, I will say, because he takes off. Oh, yeah, he was, he was um, all an ass. Enter the, uh, the car cell phones... Where uh, he's frantically trying to call his wife, who's driving the Porsche on his way on her way to pick up Sally. And real quick, I want to interject something. Oh yes. I thought was pretty pretty interesting or <laughs> kind of silly maybe, but when the mom and Sally, but the mom, I keep calling her mom. Kathy. Kathy. We'll say Kathy. When Kathy Bev. and Sally, <laughs> when Bev, Kathy, and Sally <laughs> leave the school, they take off, and right after they take off. The school crossing guard walks out in the middle of the street with a stop sign to allow a stream of school children to cross the street. To block the conspicuous van. Right. And as they're starting to give chase to Bev and Sally is when the cross guard is about a quarter of the way into the street. But nevertheless, they uphold the law of the road and they stop for her. Yeah. Which seemed a little bit like they clearly could have gone in the oncoming lane and just gone around them. Right. But yet, no, they were very responsible and we're, stopped to let the kids pass. We're here to kill a woman and child, but we're not going to kill these children and we're not going to give them any trauma by right. driving around them. Yeah, <laughs> it, that was strange. The clear line of morality that they drew there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you're right. So we get this really interesting. Uh, 90s game of phone tag. <laughs> 90s game of phones? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, they're kind of cutting through, like, 3 o'clock traffic or something. And right when Jack Ryan gets a hold of Bev, he gives her the scoop on what just happened in so many words, and she needs to get off the highway. And for some reason, she is not really taking this urgently. I want you to get off the highway and get to the nearest police station as quick as you can, all right? The police station? She's like, get off the what? Why? Uh, Let me just stay in the left lane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is happening concurrently while the sketchy brown van is pulling up next to her with Sean Bean hanging out of it with... On a, Uzi. Yeah, a submachine gun. Oddly enough, she's in the left lane. Sean Bean's van is on the shoulder. Yes. There's another car that just starts working its way between the two of them. Yeah, who the fuck is this guy? I don't know. <laughs> I got so confused. I'm like, oh, that must be Jack Ryan making in the nick of time. No, that was like a Buick. It's just some guy. Some That's dude like... sees like an Irishman <laughs> hanging out of the van with an Uzi. And it's like, oh, hell no, not today. <laughs> yeah. This is my lane. Because <laughs> yeah. they're on their shoulder. You're not passing me on the left. Right. <laughs> I just, did not like, know what was going on. Yeah. That was great. I think It that... was a real hero. The uh, the true hero award for this episode is going to go to dude on the highway who cuts off the van. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at the expense of his life and vehicle. Yeah, seriously, he was not dealing. He's got road rage today, and <laughs> not nobody, no IRA bullshit's going to fuck with his commute. <laughs> right, right. He he was not having a good day. Not today. Jeez. So despite the intervention of this true hero, Sean Bean gets a few shots off at the Porsche. She uh, panics and drives straight into a median, 
they are very injured, it seems. The scene was pretty harrowing with how violent the wreck was. So yeah, they are sent to hospital via air transport. And it's a sufficiently violent crash that Sean Bean is happy and says, they're gone. They're done. They're gone. I'm happy. Yeah. My job is done here. Uh, next scene, we get the, you know, the hospital scene. Airlift brings him in. We find out the wife is okay, just has a concussion, but they don't know about Sally. And so we get the scene of Harrison Ford staring into the hospital room from the outside, which was interesting to me. Like, he could have gone in there, I assume, but instead he decided to stand outside of the hospital room and shed one manly tear. <laughs> I actually liked that scene a lot. Um, oh, I liked it too. It was, it was very impactful, but it was yeah. also very cliche, like 90s cliche to me. Yeah, I could see that. I, I, in my head, I was thinking that it was, you know, with uh, perhaps ICU or whatever ward she was in rules, that it's a quote-unquote sterile environment and they don't want people going in. Sure. But I, I thought it was capital A acting, as they say, where I could see the anger in his eyes. Yes, yeah, so was many like emotions. Five-second scene, or less, maybe, but you yeah. could just see him looking at her and feel pain for her, and then you just saw the rage in his eyes coming down. For me, you saw rage, hatred, and guilt. Because I feel like, in some way, Jack Ryan also feels like this is all his fault. Because he's the one who attacked the fucking guy yeah, in yeah, the beginning yeah. and, and killed his brother. So, like, Harrison Ford did such a great job. All you get is, the, like, 15 seconds of the back and forth of the, the slow zoom on the, the kid in the hospital bed and Harrison Ford with the one tear welling up in his eye. But there's so much emotion on his face. Yeah. Really yeah. great. Right when that scene ended, I was just like, and that's why he's the highest paid actor in history. <laughs> is he really? I, I think so. He, he's crap. certainly up there. And, yeah. and to think he was just a, like a carpenter on a set. Yeah. Pretty yeah. awesome. Yeah, it's crazy. Go Harrison Ford. Follow your dreams, viewers. <laughs> or just be in the right place at the right time. Right. With the right attitude. Oh, yeah. Actually, I have right here, Harrison Ford has a great angry face, like a dad's angry disappointment. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> nice. So, next scene, angry Harrison Ford goes to the CIA. He wants back in. Yeah. Clearly so he can, you know, sort all this shit out. Captain Goatee is like, nah, dude, you can't be involved in this. And then J.E.J., James Earl Jones. Yep. I've heard of Mr. J.E.J. Yeah. He comes in and it's like, uh, you were saying what exactly there, Goatee man? Or something along those lines. He gets back in and he's immediately given the Patriot Files, which, as far as I'm concerned, is the only connection to the title is the fact that they had the word Patriot written on these files. Wow, good good attention. I didn't notice the Patriot files at all. I think it's everything that they have on this radical IRA offshoot. Hmm. So he learns about Sean Miller, learns about Sean Miller's dad who was murdered in Belfast, Ireland. Hmm. And then we cut to Belfast. At this point, the movie starts to pick up its pace pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah, I liked what happened after this point. There's a British SWAT team infiltrating an apartment building they have a handy-dandy fiber-optic camera they shove under the door. They see a couple IRA dudes in there building bombs. Very typical SWAT raid. They raid this, this little IRA operation. I kind of wish they gave this British unit a little bit more exposition because I felt like 
I didn't know any of their names, didn't really, it wasn't really clear what their point was. The only thing that I kind of remembered was the lead guy who looked kind of like Mr. Bean. Older, more acne-scarred Mr. Bean. Yeah. I don't know that we ever caught their names or much of, we were never, it's asking a lot of us to, I guess, empathize with them or right. feel a connection with them or what the purpose, all I, we know is that they're kind of like chasing random IRA guys here and there. Yeah, I get the idea that they're like on the hunt for the people who tried to pull off the assassination because in an earlier scene, Acne Scarred Mr. Bean, he basically said like, if I ever find the one who tried this or whatever. So I'm thinking it's him like continuing his investigation into the matter. They go in, they bust him up. Meanwhile, the CIA, they're looking through the Patriot Files. The 90s hair crew is all together. Uh, you know, all your, your typical like... CIA nerds. They find Kevin. They find Miller as influential characters in this whole shebang. At this point, you're getting the, the idea that Jack Ryan is, is piecing it all together in his head. So he goes to the ladies' bathroom for some quick PTSD. <laughs> I wrote the same thing down. Did you really? I did. I did. JR realizes there's some kind of missing link, and he thinks he knows what it is. He needs to kind of take a breather to figure it out. So he says he's going to go splash some water on his face. And he goes into the bathroom and, yeah, has a whole rush of PTSD. And it turns out he's in the women's bathroom. Uh, a girl a girl comes out of the stall, a, a redhead, who really kind of gets his memory jogging yeah. about his past experiences. And he, he kind of realizes that there's been a redhead with a ponytail, a redheaded woman with a ponytail, in all of the IRA interactions that he's had or seen on television. He really had, like, a ponytail PTSD. <laughs> <laughs> this was confusing to me because it seemed like for a second he thought the girl that was in the bathroom with him was his target. I don't know if he thought it. I, I think it was more so that seeing the woman who had a lot of similar features to his target, to Tits. Tits. Um, <laughs> like I think that was just like the thing that jogged his memory. That's that's the missing link. It's this woman. So it turns out Jack Ryan loves gingers. Yeah, he's got a real thing for just noticing them in very obscure situations. Yeah, and that's how he's gonna find Miller. He, and he comes back to the '90s hair crew and tells them that they need to find this redhead. We find her. We'll find him. And that's the missing link that will bring them to Miller, Sean right. Bean. But he's in North Africa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that was such a uh, like slap in the face. It didn't break the spell for me, but it was just so out of left field. Because next yeah, scene, yeah. they're on a helicopter in a desert. What? The IRA has an outpost in like Gaddafi's. Like, yeah, they dropped insurgency that camps. Yeah, that was just kind of out of yeah, really was out of left field. It just felt like classic action movie. The bad guys are in the desert. Yeah, they've got to be in the desert, right? right yeah. Sean Miller is flying out there with, with redhead assassin tits, tits to meet Kevin and have a designer sunglasses argument. <laughs> yeah, so they're basically meeting up in the desert for their bad guy operations headquarters. Yeah, North Africa, where, where most IRA cells hang out. When time gets real rough in Ireland, mm -hmm. they go to their winter home in North Africa. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a nice climate. Not it's great. great for Irish skin. Pretty much immediately, Kevin, who, this kind of surprised me, right? 
Sean Miller's just left America. He's just he just left Maryland to come and, and help with the IRA opportunities. He's just gotten his revenge, killed Jack Ryan's family, right? He comes to North Africa to meet up with Kevin, his fanatical IRA offshoot buddy boss. And immediately, Kevin's like, you didn't kill him. It was like the first thing he said when he got off, got off the helicopter. Really, dude? Like, you know how you know how crazy Sean Bean is right now about getting back at Jack Ryan and, and settling the score after his brother was killed. And yet, the first thing you're going to say to this guy who you want to help you with your IRA plans is, <laughs> right. you didn't kill him. <laughs> yeah, definitely a miscalculation on his part. Right. The uh, designer sunglasses argument ensues, like, right after, after they get off the helicopter. <laughs> and so... Sean Miller wants to go back. But you got to imagine that Kevin O'Malley is starting to think, like, i got to rein this guy in. <laughs> You're a loose cannon, Juarez. Yeah, you'd think. Yeah, and, it's, and, none of, it's none of Kevin's concern, really. Yeah. I mean, he, well, I mean, it is. Like, I'm sure he had some sort of connection to Sean Bean's brother. But sure. But he knows that that's not the goal anymore, killing Jack Ryan. Right. We get a scene at the Ryan estate. Where uh, the Ryans have come home. By that I mean like just Jack Ryan and his wife. Uh, little Sally's still in the hospital. He's at home researching, trying to find Miller. And Miller calls him and is like, How's the family, Ryan? Nearly lost them, didn't you? Kathy overhears it and gives Jack Ryan like, yeah. she like gives him permission. Okay, I know I said I didn't want you to get back into the CIA and stuff, but would you just go kill this guy, please? Yeah. So yeah, but he's got like... License to, to kill from the wife. so He's got the hall pass. He's, yeah, he's got the hall pass. You can go murder now. I know that with our vows we said you'd stop, but this is, this is getting pretty serious. So with this newfound hall pass, Jack Ryan starts looking for clues for how to find Miller and end him, as it were. He comes into an Irish bar and finds the Irish Doc Brown. Yeah. Irish, Irish Doc Brown hangs out at this Irish bar that I assume is in Maryland, conveniently. <laughs> right, right. And sits down to have a drink with him, try and suss out some information. By that, we mean threaten him. <laughs> right, and he pretty much like cuts right to the chase, and rather than buttering him up or ha- having some small talk at first, just goes, where's Miller? I-, I can't imagine trying to you know get some information out of someone just being... So direct and upfront like that, right? And expect to get a good response. Not to mention, you literally walked into like the bad guy hangout spot. You went over and you grabbed the boss by the collar and said, "Tell me what I want to know." Yeah. When yeah. like everyone in the bar probably wants you dead. Right. You know, come on. <laughs> what did you think was going to happen, Jack Ryan? You're an analyst. Yeah. This should not yeah. be. This should be like well within your pay grade. <laughs> <laughs> right. He uh, reads in the riot act. Jack Ryan does, and basically said, "I'll I'll fucking destroy you." So he storms out of the bar, and we then find out that Samuel Jackson was there as kind of in, in plain clothes as a bit of backup in case shit goes south. Yeah. Which I thought was a terrible move because Sam Jackson is like the most stand, he's going to stand like a sore thumb in an Irish bar. Yeah, he's a, he's a skinny black military guy in an Irish bar. Right. And he's supposed to be like your plain clothes guy hanging out undercover for you. But my movement. So slow that it's imperceptible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably didn't go under the radar as much as he thought he did. I didn't know he was there at all until the end of the scene. He was like, "Excuse me," and he just like walks out. I was like, "Where did he even come from?" Yeah, he just like bully bumps him on the way out. Like, "Oh, fuck you! I'll, I'll see you later." Was there a deleted scene? There was probably a deleted scene. That's a good point. There may have been. We'll have to get the directors. No, we can't possibly research. You mean? 
Yeah, I don't think uh, we're not getting paid enough for that. We cut back to Africa IRA camp. They're out there wasting bullets in the desert. But they know about this satellite that's going to fly over. Okay, there's probably a way that that works, right? But it's the middle of the day. They're out there shooting guns. Kevin comes out to an angry Sean Bean who's just like hammering headshots from this target dummy and like, we got to go inside. The satellite's going to go over in a minute. How do they know the satellite's going to go over? Mystery to me. It's a pretty big leap to ask you to take. I mean, I don't know how well-connected the IRA is, if there are people that would have that kind of information. Apparently, they're buddy-buddy with Gaddafi. That, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And even him, how would he know which satellites and when would like the British intel satellites be? Yeah, a very strange uh, connection there. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So, yeah, they know about the satellites. This is the introduction of the satellites. They go inside. And then we cut back to the, the CIA with Jack Ryan. We, we've tracked it down to these camps in, in North Africa, but they know when the satellites are there. That's why there's nobody in these images. They obviously go inside when the satellites come by. So we need to retask those, and we'll be able to find our guy. I thought it was a pretty fun scene where Captain Cote says, do you know how much work it is to retask a satellite? And JR goes, yeah. Yeah, like, it's just what we need to do. Yeah, you got to do that, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got to do that thing. At this point, we get a pretty fun, enhanced scene. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> it becomes even more fun than you originally thought it was going to be, because our final image is we're zooming in on tits. Tits. Yeah, where, where the titular name comes from. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> we get enhanced, 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 and enhance. we find out we're zooming in on a woman's bosoms. Enhance. Enhance. Just print the damn thing! That's Jack Ryan th thinking, oh, that's that's my redhead. That's, that's tits. That's tits. And he actually says out loud, tits. Yeah, and he calls her tits a few more times. He does, and that's why we're doing it. But uh, it's not quite enough evidence for J.E.J., -E and so he says, keep hunting. Like, right. you can't be certain that, like, there could just be a white woman out in the, the African camps. So keep looking. Right. We next see Jack Ryan visiting his daughter in the hospital. And he's very exhausted, just trying to enjoy his nice cup of coffee. Wait, but before that happened, in the hospital room, he's reading her the most depressing children's book. Oh, yeah. Who reads their kid that book when they're, like, hooked up in the hospital? But she asked to hear it again, didn't she? Read she, it again, Daddy. I want to yeah. hear a really depressing book. Yeah, I mean, she appeared to be enjoying it. I, I guess. It was putting her to sleep, at least. Yeah. Goodness gracious. Yeah. Uh, maybe she didn't get the gravity of it. <laughs> yeah. But while Jack Ryan is sitting in this empty cafe... Irish Doc Brown shows up. Right. Wordlessly drops off a package, just leaves it on the little one-seater table that Jack Ryan is sitting at. It's a well-wrapped package in wrapping paper. Can I just say real quick? So this scene was funny to me because there, there are two scenes here that I, I think make up this like part of the movie where first you have Jack Ryan reading depressing children's book to his you know, recovering daughter. And then he, it like overlaps his narration of the book to the scene where he's in the hospital cafeteria. And, and this IRA guy walking up and giving him a package, the last word that Jack Ryan says in the narration is boom. Whoa, really? Yeah, like it was, a, it was a small build, and then he says boom. 
the IRA guy puts a package on the table. And I, I was did like, not catch that. I was like, are we supposed to think this is a bomb? Wow. Yeah, that happened. Wow, great catch. Yeah, and I, I think that you even see JR look at it just for a second inquisitively like, what are the odds this is a bomb? And what are the odds this is what I need? And he just decides to open wow. it. Wow, I did not catch that timing of the story and the, the scene, but I, of course, noted the danger of opening a wrapped package from the IRA. Right. And, yeah, so he heroically or stupidly just opens it. <laughs> yeah. Sure enough, it's a treasure trove of intel or evidence on... On tits. On the missing link that Jack Ryan was looking for. And so he brings us back to his guys in the terrorist unit in the CIA. 90s hair crew. Yeah, yeah, the 90s hair crew. And is kind of given the debrief to his group. And James Earl Jones has a great point that this is intel just freely given to him by Miller's guys. And this should be this shit should be taken with a grain of salt, which Jack Ryan was not doing. He was taking this as prophecy, which is a point well taken. The source isn't to be totally trusted here. Right. But Jack Ryan's just like, nope, this is what I need. This is great. Like, we're going off this. I thought that was interesting. He, he kind of got the go-ahead, I felt like, in that scene too, though. Because it, it was both. James Earl Jones was like, well, nothing is really for sure, you know, but I need your best guess. He's like, and you've just given it to us. I think it was kind of both. It was James Earl Jones saying, like, take us with a grain of salt. But at the same time, you seem pretty sure about this, and I trust you. Captain Goatee oh, yeah, Captain Goatee. was asking him to take this information with a grain of salt. That's right. And, um, like, you asked him for information on a woman, and he gave it to you. But then he's like, I didn't ask for information on a woman. Right, right. Right. It just so happened that I was right. But even still, though, I think it's a point well taken that you should proceed with caution with this information because you're getting intel it's a very untrustworthy source right irish doc brown is constantly muddying the waters we take credit and we deny you know so what can you trust that's a really good point but nonetheless brian kind of gets the go-ahead at this point to to move forward with the operation to take out one of these african camps after the scene where he gets the uh the info and tits from irish doc brown (laughs) He gets to go ahead from uh, Captain Goatee. We cut to the this uh, antique bookshop again. Yeah. And Cuball book restore guy is freaking out because smoke's coming out of his chandelier. At the same time, we're cutting back and forth between the bookshop and the like British Secret Service or whatever, like spying on the guy. Which we don't know how they got a camera in there. It's not clear at all. The electrician finds the camera in the chandelier that also happened to be smoking. A chase ensues as this guy runs down into, into the uh, subway. Yeah, it turns out Mr. Bean's crew was in a flat above his shop. Yeah, or next to it. Very close. Yeah. So yeah, that crew gives chase to the book collector, but they lose him in the tube. And and, and dang it, <laughs> that's the last we see of, of uh, acne-scarred Mr. Bean, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think I think that is the last we see of him. Um, it's almost as if he was an irrelevant character from the start. It's almost as if, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the next scene, I think, is with the book collector in Arabia. 
Yeah. He somehow just gets there. He, he gets there. We don't know Movie how. Movie magic. From the tube. The tube went there, probably. Yeah. Yeah, I think Elon Musk had a boring company in place from yeah. London to North Africa. We cut to the, you know, the royal estate or whatever where Holmes is. We see the royal cousin making his schedule and this kind of like tall, lanky, annoying guy walks in who we had seen in a couple of other scenes, seems to be a secretary. And they basically are like, we're going to go see the Ryans in America for a debrief or something. Very strange. It uh, wasn't clear. It was unclear, but... What what you know at this point is that they're going to go have dinner with the Ryans in Maryland. They're going to come over from England to do this. And the secretary hears this, confirms it with them, and then goes and answers the phone. And who is it? None other than Q-Ball Antique Book Restorer, who gives him some weird code. Right. So we know at this point that the mole is the secretary. He knows about the schedule. That must be how the IRA found out about it in the first place. So then... I think, is when we cut to... The book collector in North Africa. Book collector in North Africa, yeah. And he's trying to essentially prove to Miller and Kevin that he's worth his salt. And he can even shoot a gun, and he's still worth it to them. Yeah, they, they toss him a gun, and he doesn't. He basically blows his chance. Because he doesn't know how a safety works. Right, and, well, they shoot him. Well, Sean Bean shoots him because he shoots everyone in this movie. <laughs> right, yeah, he's, he's out for blood. He, he definitely has a happy trigger finger. Yeah, for sure. Oh, we also get in this scene, we're going on a messy mission. You're not cut out for it. It's presumed that they are not going to be at the camp for much longer. Right. At this point, we know that dinner at the Ryan's house with the royal cousin is scheduled. Um, to me, I was like, okay... That's where everything's going to go down. Because at this point in the movie, we know that the IRA or the, the crazy IRA offshoot wants to, to kill the royal family. Miller really wants to kill Ryan. They're both going to be in the same place at the same time. That's where it's all going to go down. That's where the final fight's going to be. We've seen this set from the beginning of the movie, right? Mm. Chekhov's estate, if you will. <laughs> so it's going to happen. We know, we know that. This is the part where now we're back at the CIA. Ryan's pouring over the satellite feed. He finds the, the cue ball book dealer on the satellite camp because he's sunburned. New arrival. Yeah, which that seemed... That was interesting to me. I thought it was kind of a cool, like, a little bit of a Sherlock Holmes moment where, oh, th this, this guy's sunburned. Must be a new arrival. It was kind of one of those enhanced moments where it's like, okay, like... Movie magic. It's movie magic, yeah. but I'll, I'll go with it for a second. Sure, uh, sure. But that was a neat little way to piece that together. Yeah, yeah, you're right. What they establish is that like it was another crumb of evidence where seeing tits, tits. and seeing cue ball at the same camp was enough for them to initiate a raid. It's a great leadership moment from James Earl Jones. Yep. Mm -hmm. Where he's backing up Ryan. Ryan is understandably worried about essentially sending a death squad into an innocent camp. Right. And James Earl Jones is, well, you're not going to be absolutely about 100%. I need you to be, give me your best guess, and I'm going to believe it because you're a damn good analyst. Right. And he's playing the role of like a great boss here. Yeah, Ryan makes his pick, and that's the camp that they're going to raid. Yep. And so they do. And in the next scene, we get... 
I would say as harrowing of a rate as you can get from a thermal overhead feed. <laughs> the music is pretty tense, and we get uh, Harrison Ford PTSD face. You get the realization that he, he realizes that he has essentially given these men permission to kill other people, which I thought was pretty cool. And so you yeah. better be sure. I thought the first half of the scene was pretty good. I thought the second half of the scene was trash. Really? I hate I hated the second half of the scene. Yeah. Why? I thought the editing and directing choices were terrible. So at the end, there were a bunch of fast cuts. Uh-huh. I guess they back had, and forth static is starting to get in there. They had a few uh, monitors tracking the situation, and at the end, they started cutting between the different monitors or to give the sense of uh, you know it's a tense situation. It's building. This is the crescendo of the raid. Right. But it just had the effect of the audience, just like confusion. It's not clear what the hell's happening. Agreed. And they kept on giving you the like war games green and black text with the the beep boops. Yeah, that was. It, it was a little bit over the top. I think it's just a product of '90s. You know, it was like them injecting the the new technology of the time in there, you know, computer screens and thermal cameras and overheads and right, all, right. all that shit. So, And the static didn't make sense to me, but the justification they gave was the helos out of range. Yeah. Which, go back. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's right. not like it's a jet that takes a couple seconds to turn around or whatever. It's just like, well, why is it still going over? Why is it passing? And in the last couple of frames before it went to static, there was a figure, a, a thermal figure, I guess, a figure? on the edge of the camp that looked like uh, what you, a figure? A figure? A figure? A figure? A figure? A figure? A figure <laughs> on the edge of camp who looked like he was kind of... Crawling? Military crawling, I guess you'd say. Mm-hmm. And it, I guess it was to give the impression that there was someone that was missed. Miller, perhaps? No, no. I got that that was someone dying. That was someone like crawling like in death throes. That that was the impression I got. Hmm. Could be wrong. Maybe they maybe they were implying someone got away, but Wow. That just hit me. That that gives a much darker connotation. What I got from that scene was yeah, it's a raid. It's the CIA or the SAS or them coordinating, doing their like very efficient, very brutal thing. And it was essential to me it was it was Jack Ryan observing that, seeing what he had put into motion and realizing the emotional impact of it. They're ending lives because I said this was the camp. That would make more sense because they would have already left on their mission. Yes, exactly. Uh, Because you know at this point from the previous scene that uh, Miller and and Kevin and Tits Tits. had left. We we know that the raid's too late going Of course. They would have seen a bunch of bodies running away. Exactly. Yeah. This is them giving it their best shot, but they're a little bit too late. Yeah. JR at this point just has to cope with the fact that he just had a bunch of people killed. Next scene, we have the English have come to dinner at the Ryan estate, and a storm of foreshadowing is a brewing. It, it is. And I've just got to say, Holmes seems like he'd be a really cool hang. I thought I, throughout the whole movie, really, pretty down to earth and like he could shoot chill. shit with you. Yeah. Pretty chill, dude. Yeah, yeah. And I'd like to thank you, Miss Ryan, for allowing us to impose upon your homecoming. You will. You're a beautiful and gracious young lady, and you it's will. my distinct pleasure to make your acquaintance. You will. Yeah, he seems like a pretty cool dude. Down-to-earth royal. So they eat dinner, it's storming, um, and right after dinner's over, they're doing, like, dessert and aperitifs, and the mole is there. 
He's just part of the royal party, I guess. For whatever reason, they bring their secretary. He's just standing there, menacingly. He's checking out. He's like, I'm going to go to the bathroom. He's about to get the fuck out of here before the the Irish army comes and, and murks everybody. Right. Uh, and in doing so, he ends up killing the the mm-hmm. CIA, I assume, security guy yeah. that's there. Pushes him down the stairs into the basement. And the power goes out. It's storming. They assume, oh, the power's out. It's fine. But Ryan's on to him because he looks outside. The power's still on at the boathouse. Of course, they have a boathouse. power's still on there. So he's like, shit, something's up. Looks outside. Doesn't see the guards. So he, he grabs SLJ. He's like, here's what's going on. Get everybody down to the basement. Shit's going down. I think it was around this time that he whipped out a radio. He tried to call a, a slew of different security forces that were supposed to be there. I don't want to be a policeman anymore. I'm scared. Right. And nobody responded, which I would have liked to have seen how exactly Miller's group dispatched of what should have been a sizable security force. Right. You've got... You've got a CIA agent who is currently targeted by a like an IRA sect that is very violent and has recently been in America, and you've got British royalty. Yeah, you've got the two targets that the IRA, or at least this super violent sect of the IRA, is lusting over murdering. Right. And they send what seems to be a pretty thin... Pretty paltry. Yeah. It's like five or six dudes. Uh, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And they just took out like what I would assume is a dozen of like U.S. and British forces staked outside. With six guys, I guess? Five or six guys? Yeah, yeah. it doesn't really add up to me. I mean, I guess they had their night vision goggles. But the thing, is, the other thing is they had Uzis. The, none, of the, none of that IRA SWAT team that comes in with their NVGs, none of them had silencers. Not that it would matter. I guess they just right. ran up and like stabbed him in the throat or something. I don't know. Yeah, that that is also why you would expect not to hear any radio chatter from like, like Jackson's down or something. Right. They know? had to. Co- they probably had to coordinate taking out three or four teams at the exact same time. That plot armor is pretty thick. I don't know. It's it's a little bit of a hill to get over as far as <clears throat> suspending your disbelief. It's it's very convenient. Inter Irish SWAT team. With, with night vision goggles, the lights are out. Ryan's down downstairs, like on the first floor, dodging their vision. Another plot armor. Somehow he knows where they all, where five or six people are in this house at all times. Yeah. And he's able to snake his way with, around with, with no, no night, night vision. vision. And they all have night vision. <laughs> yeah. Like, I just imagine this, you know, in Ocarina of Time, when you have to infiltrate the. Uh, the Hyrule Castle, and you have to like wait for the guards and their patrols. Oh, yeah. He's basically doing that dance, you know. Yeah. It seemed to me like the time between the power going out and them entering the house was like thirty seconds, right? Where are the guests at this point? They just everyone disappeared. The house is empty except for Jack Ryan and all these Irish dudes. Suddenly, I thought they a lot of them were in the basement. They are in the basement, which you found we find out later. But in this moment, I was like, where the fuck did they oh, go? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyway, the wife and daughter are upstairs. Kathy's trying to hide Sally, like, up on the shelf in the closet or something. She gets a shotgun but can't find the shells. Meanwhile, uh, Tits is infiltrating with, uh, with guns drawn and MVGs into the room. Um, we, get a, we get a cut back and forth between the basement. SLJ is down there with all the, the royal guests. It's, it's pretty tense. So the wife's got no ammo for the shoddy. So you're sitting on the edge of your seat. You know that, that the, the bad... Hit woman is coming in with guns drawn, and it's just Kathy up there with an antique shotgun with no shells. 
that's okay because she can swing that shit. And she whacks Hit Lady in the face, knocks her out. Jack Ryan at this point gets upstairs and inserts his wife and child into the attic. But clumsy Kathy drops a flashlight, which alerts Miller, who's downstairs about to discover the royal guests. And he comes running upstairs, shooting up in the ceiling. The Ryans escape onto the roof and then down onto the ground with Kevin in tow. So it's at, it's hard to to pod an action like a, a long action scene, isn't it? Yeah, there are a lot of ins and outs that you gotta either chronicle or decide what is to gloss over. Yeah, what's like believable. Right. Yeah, they, they so they crawl out the window, and Miller figures out Sean Bean's character figures out that they're going outside, so he kind of starts to follow he, them. He follows them, yeah. And so they basically do a runaround where they're going to the outside entrance of the basement yes one of one of those classic like dual horizontal doors that open up to a set of stairs that goes down to the basement it's real scooby-doo kind of thing what houses actually have these root cellars or something yeah i'm not really sure i think it's like a very dated kind of colonial yeah uh, super convenient for movies very. It's like you, you can do the whole like you get that going on. Yeah. With because that's exactly what happens here, right? Because the Ryans go out on the roof, Miller and, and friends follow, and then the Ryans go down into the basement from the outside. They get uh, the scoop from the mole. Yeah, that there are like, some boats. Yeah. At the bottom of the cliff that they came in on, so they get the the wise idea of like, well, shit, let's we'll just like this. leave them in the dust. Right. But right before they act on that knowledge the mole shouts out miller Kevin! and so they're alerted and they start through the basement from the in from the interior of the house slj and friends and ryan are ready two nameless henchmen come in through the door they turn the lights on it blinds them through their night vision goggles and they kill the two miller and tits and kevin are coming through but at that point, the Ryans and the royal people have all escaped out of the exterior basement door. So, and they lock him in. So we get the scene where he shoots the door open. By the time they've caught up, all the good guys are presumably on the boats escaping. Uh, Miller and Kevin and Tits are in tow following. And they, I guess for whatever reason, they had to rappel down a cliff. But all the royal family and the Ryans didn't have to rappel down a cliff. Yeah. And we get another scene where... Miller is just unleashing his gun on oh, the escaping yeah. boat. No, Sean, no! We need Holmes alive! From the and cliffside. He's like 300 yards out. He's just yeah. like full auto-firing an Uzi into the ocean. Again, Kevin O'Malley is like, dude, like we're not trying to kill the royal. We want to take him alive. Right? And so he, he's, he's like getting another taste of how just totally unchained Miller is. Super unchained. Please. You know the rules. Give me your badge and your gun, please. Should have been able to see, like you've known this guy for a while. He's he's looking a little unhinged. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they get down there. They they start chasing the boat, which they assume has all of the people on it. But guess what? It's just Jack Ryan on the boat alone. We get a cut back, and all the other people are hiding like at the bottom of the cliff, back at shore. Which was a huge fucking gamble. Really was. Truly was, because there were only two boats, right? Twelve people. They all got in that one boat and were just speeding along. Yeah, I mean, that's what I guess the bad guys assumed. But if they had, as they were scrambling onto the second boat, if they had just gone, oh, hey, wait, let me check on the engine and seen everyone, like, 
on the shore. Yeah. They're fucked. They were kind of hiding via a convenient boulder, but still. Yeah, I mean... Odds of them, They like, still had... There's uh, footprints, probably, like... Again, like, uh, Jack Ryan, like in the beginning of the movie, just runs off dive, driving yeah. into action. Let me just leave everyone here. Yeah. Again, <laughs> let's make this a good, like, Oreo plot. So, yeah, we get the uh, the boat chase with uh, Miller and Kevin and Tits. They're on the boat. They're chasing after Ryan. They get up to speed, and the cover that they have over the boat that would have shrouded everyone, keeping them hidden, falls back. They see it's just one guy. And Kevin's like, it's a, it's a trick. They're hiding everyone back on the shore. we got to turn back. But Miller's not having it. He's not going back. He wants blood. He wants to kill Jack Ryan. Stop it. Get some help. And so... He shoots and kills Kevin. That's not my mission! Yeah. And then Kevin, being the, I guess what we've seen so far, the lover of Tits, uh, Tits goes crazy and is like, what the fuck are you doing? And gets all angry and then Miller kills her too. You crazy bastard! He's really gone off the wall. Faster boat chase ensues. I guess for whatever reason, one, now that everybody's dead, the boat's like double in speed. They catch up, uh, Miller catches up in the blink of an eye. Really quick. And he's, by the way, he is unloading his gun on... That Uzi has like 200 rounds. Yeah. I mean, he's firing so much that this, the thermal energy of all these bullets colliding with Jack Ryan's boat just ignites a fire. Catches him on fire. <laughs> That's one of those fire Uzis, yeah. So Miller pulls his boat right up alongside JR's boat. Who was trying to, like, put the fire out, I felt like. I, at first, my initial thought was that he had an aerosol can, like a can of hairspray, that he was going to try and flamethrow. But then I realized it was a fire <laughs> extinguisher. That makes sense. I thought he had some crazy, like, fire-blowing weapon. Like, oh, no, he's I like Pyro out. Jack Ryan. He just, like, <laughs> keeps a can of hairspray on him at all times. Uh, at first, I was like, this is going to be an awesome scene. It would been incredible. Uh, but, yeah, he's just trying to play firefighter. When he's got more important duties, which is drive the boat. Right. So he does the thing where, you know, in movies, if you tie a rope to your steering wheel, it'll keep going straight, right? <laughs> so he does that. He ties the rope to the steering wheel. He gets down on the ground. He's blocking bullets. He's, he gets the fire extinguisher. And you assume he's going to put it out, but Miller's caught up to him and is like right beside him and jumps over onto the boat with him. Yeah. They're on one boat, speeding through the sea at night in a thunderstorm. The boat's on fire. It's crazy. Ryan initially tackles Miller the second he gets on the boat. And they're like on the ground grappling. But then it cuts and they're both separated for some reason. And Miller has a harpoon. I noticed that too. Yeah. It's a great segue into like a quintessential 90s uh, final battle. Right. What's on our boat? What can we fight with? We've got an anchor and we've got a harpoon. But... <laughs> Instead of stabbing with the harpoon, it has a pointy end with a hook on it. Miller swings it like a baseball bat at Ryan <laughs> and hits him with it. I was really surprised. I'm like, you've got a harpoon, dude. If that thing's like 10 feet long, you can just, you can just keep him over there. You stab can just him stab him. End. You've yeah. got him. You've got him dead to rights. I wouldn't touch you with a 39 and a half foot pole. Right. I know. He swings it at him like a baseball bat and does a thing where he tries to like choke him with it. He's standing up, they push this on your neck and it'll kill you almost definitely. But yeah. <laughs> it's got a business end, but he's he's using all the other parts. All the other parts. He's saving the business end for last. <laughs> we get this high speed boat fight. They somehow switch weapons. 
Ryan's got the the harpoon, and then Miller finds the anchor. Ryan's blocking the anchor, like he's swinging this anchor at at Ryan. Yeah, it was super fun action scene. Go Miller for swinging that anchor. The thing's probably pretty heavy. And go Jack Ryan for withstanding the barrage. Right? Yeah. So like eventually after after all these anchor blows are coming at him, he rolls out of the way, the swing of the anchor hits the boat, and the anchor is stuck in the boat with a pointy end sticking up. Yeah. And Uh, that's... Chekhov's anchor. Enter Chekhov's anchor, yes. (laughs) So you see the pointy anchor on the ground. There's some more uh, stand-up choking with the harpoon going on. Very kinky. Ryan kicks him in just the right place to make him fall backwards onto the anchor. And there was definitely penetration in that scene. There had to be a dummy, I'm thinking. Because Ryan pushes Miller back, and you see that anchor penetrate the back of this dude. So I'm guessing that they, that that quick cut, he had a dummy that he was hanging on to that he like dove onto the anchor with. Because I don't yeah. think that there was really CG good enough to make that look that good in '92. Definitely not. Unless I didn't notice this point that much, but the only other thing I can imagine is the anchor retracted into the boat. But if, if oh, you yeah, saw it point. sitting there, maybe it would have. I didn't feel like it. I didn't feel like the anchor moved. It it, oh, okay. it felt like a good stab. You you really saw yeah. the stab. Miller's dead. Uh, Harrison Ford looks up, and boy, is he speeding towards a rock in the middle of the ocean in this flaming boat. <laughs> so he jumps out, and then we get the uh, Michael Bay... Uh, I would have the same thing. Yeah, yeah, Michael Bay boat explosion. Yeah, that but, was way over the top. Way over the top. But wouldn't you know it doubles as a flare, because now the CIA helicopter that's right over there sees it. And, yeah. And comes... Yeah, so that's that's the end of... Sean Miller. Probably the longest that Sean Bean has lasted in a movie. He lasted till the bitter end. He really did. Really um, did. Got to give it to him. This is early in his career, I feel like. Well, I don't know about his career, but at least in popular media, probably. Yeah, well, I mean, this is the first thing um, chronologically that I think I've seen him in. Yeah, probably for me, too. Again, if there were a way to figure out what else he was in. I'm not sure how we would do that. We might need to talk to someone. Yeah, I call it an expert yeah. from Hollywood, maybe, or something. But um, he lasted a long time. R.I.P. Miller, because he was a great character. Brooding and vengeful the whole time. It was a strong villain. Yeah, yeah. Like, he, he was wasn't, he wasn't like, conniving and planning. He was just go, go, go the whole time, which I, I appreciated. Yeah, yeah, he was great. This boat gets Michael Bayed. It even, like, splits in two in the middle of the explosion. Right. Uh, a little crazy, but come down from this whole... The denouement. The denouement. denouement. The denouement from this uh, climactic scene is the Ryan family at their estate, and they're getting a phone call from the doctor. We get um, like a scene of, of supposed normalcy at the Ryan household. Oh, there's never a scene of normalcy at the Ryan household. <laughs> Kathy gets a phone call from the OBGYN. I guess. This is belying my lack of knowledge about how... That would be the OBGYN. Okay, yeah, yes. sure. So she the gets female a female parts doctor. <laughs> yeah. So she gets a call from uh, him or her. The question we don't hear is, do you want to know the gender of your baby? Yeah, this I, this annoyed me. Did it? A little bit. And I, uh, I don't feel comfortable with children. I mean, I, I get it. They wanted to end it on a cool, like, question mark. Yeah. But, like... It goes from, oh, he's asking if we want to know. And then Jack Ryan's like, oh, uh, and he looks to his daughter, and the daughter's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, yeah, okay, let, let's do it. And then 
she's like, okay, great. And she smiles and hangs up the phone. And that's it. Okay, tell us. Thank you. Yeah, cute I, credit. I thought it was a fun scene, like it was cute seeing their family interaction. But to have the cliffhanger be, will their next child be a boy or a girl? Right. Find out next movie. <laughs> right. I thought it was kind of silly. Right you now. don't get to see like tits wake up on the flaming boat or anything. It's it's just like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's just okay. It's but, not a very high stakes no. ending. Uh, so, Zach, what's your hot take on this movie? Did you enjoy it? Well, I did enjoy it, but since you asked for a hot take, I did enjoy It's a bit of a reluctant, I enjoyed it. Really? I liked it, but I think if you replaced Harrison Ford and Sean Bean, I would not have liked it. Um, like different actors? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think I only liked it because it had a, pretty much an all-star cast. The story was all right. Uh-huh. The directing was pretty good. Pretty good. Um, pretty good. The acting, like especially from Harrison Ford and uh, Sean Bean, was on point. And they really hit home runs here, I thought. Without them, I don't think I would have enjoyed it as much. I would agree. So, yeah, I give it a... But what's, what's our scale? I give it a one Michelin star out of three. No, no, no. That's... that's... <laughs> I don't know. I, I was kind of trying to throw in the, the dish part of it. But yeah. Uh, seven meatballs out of ten or something. <laughs> yeah, something like that. What if you just compare it to a food, like to a meal or to a food? Oh, that's how a good it makes idea. you feel. That's a fun idea. <laughs> like, what, what is Patriot Games for you as food? Hmm. I gotta think about that one. It's a fairly complex answer, so I'm trying to think of a dish that's like that. Only if you add this one ingredient is it good or something. Without that ingredient, it would not be good. Right, right, right. I don't know. I was actually going to say spaghetti. So, okay. to me, Patriot Games is like spaghetti. Spaghetti with meatballs. You've got all the noodles, which are good. Like, it's pretty good throughout. It's all right. But then you get the meatballs, which are like the few four or five scenes in the movie where you get some really, like, capital A acting from Sean Bean and Harrison Ford. And those are your meatballs. It's like a good spaghetti. Huh. Not, not the best spaghetti you've had. But it's a pretty good spaghetti. That's a, that's a great analogy. That's that's what I'm going for. Is like some food where it's like either one ingredient or there's like pieces that you're like hunt, like hunting pecking for in the in the meal. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I'm always so bad about making like these one pot meals where all the flavors are just like. Me too. It's just so easy, and you can Tupperware out like all the rest of it. Sure. Oh man, I almost wanted to say a cereal. Really? Because it's like Lucky Charms, where I just fish out the marshmallows. Uh huh. <laughs> The marshmallows are like the, the little like twenty second scenes yeah, from our stars. Yeah, that's not a good analogy. How about you, Mitch? What's your what's your hot take? How do you feel about it? I liked it. It uh it fulfilled all of my expectations for a Tom like a nineties Tom Clancy movie. You had a good villain, you had Jack Ryan who's a who's a great a great protagonist. Um the only thing I could have had more of was action. So yeah. I, I feel like the whole movie was good, but it, the, it was a search, right? You're searching the whole time. And then the only action you really got was the very beginning. You got like a PTSD thermal imaging scene in the middle. 
and then at the end you got you got what you're waiting for right you got that that resolution with the really action-packed like yeah 10 minutes it didn't feel like it it, it knew what it wanted to be the movie as far as a genre like it kind of wanted to be an action you know what movie. it felt like it felt like a book take a look it's in a book a reading rainbow in a book you more often than not have a whole lot of build up to the resolution in the end especially a book like this i feel like because it, it was a book but and maybe that says i haven't read patriot games but perhaps that says that they were pretty true to the book because because to me the 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 progression and the tone felt a lot like the book but i i do like the way that they gave you that insight to what Jack Ryan was feeling, what our protagonist was feeling whenever he went through these hard times. Like you got you got Harrison Ford PTSD face injected in there several times. There's some nice meatballs. That's a spicy meatball. <laughs> yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, because I feel like emotional descriptions from books never really translate to the screen well. Yeah. Um, but they did a pretty admirable job of translating it, but for someone who hasn't read the book or doesn't reflect on it with that mindset, it kind of feels like it doesn't have much of a purpose as far as like if it wants to be action or real like mystery and kind of putting the pieces together. Mm -hmm. So I feel like it kind of misses the mark in a lot of those. Um, it feels like it doesn't have much of an identity. I got you. But that's a point well taken where it, it, it does give great glimpses via um, Harrison Ford's great acting into how he's feeling, which doesn't usually happen in an action movie. Agreed. Without our protagonist and antagonist really chewing up those scenes. It's funny, too, because you never really get an outward emotional like rant or lamentation from either character. Bloody proud of yourself, aren't you? Come on. It does matter. We're part of that! It's all just in there, like facial acting, and yeah. Overall, I think it made it a good movie. You you got to you got to feel the uh, the dynamic between them. Right, it was great. I think Harrison Ford had a a harder role to play between the two of them because Sean Bean was just told look angry the whole time, and right. so it's kind of a bit of a one dimensional thing to show. I mean, he did a great job of it, but Harrison Ford, you're right, had to show. Guilt, fear, anger, just hate. Yeah. Uh, and he, he really did do it all. He knocked it out of the park. He sure did. If spaghetti and meatballs works for you, we could just call it spaghetti and meatballs. Yeah. Spaghetti and meatballs is pretty good. Although, spaghetti and meatballs is like, it's such an iconic classic dish. It is. But so, it, this is also kind of an iconic classic. I don't know, maybe Hunt for October would be spaghetti and meatballs and... And this would be like chicken parmesan or something, because it, in a chicken parmesan without the chicken, what have you got? That's I, true. I think we're stuck on Italian with this, no matter how we look at it. Speaking of Hunt for October, I liked this, but not nearly as much as its predecessor. I agree, but you know what's interesting about it is, in Hunt for October, Jack Ryan was very much not the main character. To me, yeah. the main character was. Ramius, yeah, and Jack Ryan was just like there keeping it moving, you know. In this, it was all about Jack Ryan, Jack Ryan's family. What's Jack Ryan thinking? Like, 
I love the difference between the two, but yeah, if I had to choose one or the other, hunt for October all day long. Oh, for sure. They it's a really interesting story where the bad guy, quote unquote, is more or less the main character of the story. And turns out he's a good guy. Spoiler alert. <laughs> I'll just reverse that in the edit. <laughs> but yeah, and the other thing is, as Jack Ryan, I actually think I like. Uh, I actually think I like Harrison Ford better. Maybe. Ah, it's so tough because it is tough. I don't know Jack Ryan that well. It feels like Alec Baldwin gives it gives Jack Ryan a bit of that more analytical mind frame, which you wouldn't expect. Right. Harrison Ford feels more like Liam Neeson and Taken. Very particular set of skills. In this yeah, movie, yeah. Where he's more just like fueled on rage and hatred. He's on the warpath. Right. Rather than like, I'm just an analyst. Alec right. Baldwin has that feel of kind of like, I guess, the nerd who is pulled, plucked from his desk. Well, this is an interesting uh, point, too, because we don't know how much time has passed between The Hunt for October and Patriot Games. So if, if we assume it's been a pretty decent chunk of time, because if you think Alec Baldwin was probably in his, what, mid to late 20s when he did The Hunt for October, Harrison oh Ford God. was like, he looked like he was in his late 40s in Patriot Games. Yeah. So that much time yeah. has passed. It could have been 15, 20 years between the two movies. And in that case, Harrison Ford, I think, would have done a great job portraying Jack Ryan because he's seen a lot at this point. Like, we know there are a bunch of Tom Clancy novels involving Jack Ryan, so he's been through some, some shit, and he was ready to retire, but mm. guess what? He's got to go back in. That is kind of a hot take on the headcanon of Jack Ryan. That's my hot take. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because as a viewer, if you watch The Hunt for October in 90, and then two years later go back and watch Patriot Games, you have to think, okay, this must be... 15, 20 years after The Hunt for Red October? I assume the people who went and saw these movies in theaters, a lot of them were probably avid uh, readers of the books. I don't know. I mean, it's not like Harry Potter. But, you know, like... I mean, at the same time, it, it's, it's an true, action movie. People like go to see action movies. Born Identity series. Like, those were... Those were books? I think so. Yeah, yeah, we've got confirmation from our uh, person. <laughs> Those were books. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's not apples to apples, but I think there's a certain crowd that is drawn to action movies that haven't read the books. Sure. You see Harrison Ford, you see action movie, you go, I'm going to go watch that. Yeah, for sure. Um, you seen that guy? He's great. <laughs> Indiana Jones? Who? Indiana Jones. Oh, oh, right, okay, yeah, yeah. Han Solo? That guy. I'm not familiar with that one. Yeah, it was a it was a minor role. Oh, okay. Gotcha. <laughs> so, are we calling this chicken parm or spaghetti and meatballs? Because here's how I, here's how I look at it. If we do a hunt for an October episode, which I think we should after yeah. doing this, I think the hunt for an October is spaghetti and meatballs, but with a meat sauce, right? Because even if you take out the meatballs, you still have a really good movie. You still, yeah. have, a, you still have great plot and, and great characters. Even if you take out like the great acting parts. You know what I think this is? What's this? I think this is fish tacos. Fish tacos? Yeah. Tell me why. Um, well, you need a couple of things to go right to get fish tacos that are good. 
first of all, of course, you need good, fresh, solid fish. I think it's cod. I'm not sure, but mm-hmm. usually cod, sometimes tilapia. Yeah. So you need really, I think, I mean, the vegetables should be good, like the toppings, whatever. But if it's not, it won't kill it. But I think you need two good things. One, good fish. And two, a good sauce. Okay. Um, you go to kind of like mayonnaise, I think, based sauce. Mm-hmm. Like an aioli or something like that. Yeah, yeah. If either one of those are bad, uh, it can take... And I love fish tacos to the moon and back. Um, but I've also had fish tacos that had made me feel kind of disgusted. Sure. <laughs> um, I've been so there. I think if you have the wrong fish or the wrong sauce, you take a great meal and make it shit. And I think it's kind of like this movie where if you take Harrison Ford or Sean Bean and you replace them with lesser actors, this movie would become a lot less compelling. So what's the sauce in your analogy? So I'm, I'm assuming that Harrison Ford and Sean Bean are the, they're the fish, right? I was thinking Harrison Ford is the fish, Oh, and Sean Bean is a sauce. Oh, yeah, and you get that interaction between the fish and the sauce. Okay, okay. There's a little play there. I like it. That's great. I feel like we're probably, uh, we about talked this one out. How do you feel? Oh, my God. We've got two hours, 23. Two in the morning. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Well, this has been... What did we call it? Movie Dish. This has been Movie Dish with Zach and Mitch. (laughs) Join us next time whenever we review another movie and talk about how it relates to our favorite foods or our least favorite foods. Thanks for joining us while we dine on some great movies. (laughs) Very good. (laughs) Until next time. This is Mitch again with another high fidelity message for you. We hope you enjoyed episode one. You've made it through the rough audio patch. From here on out, it sounds a lot better. We hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to check back in for episode two, where we review The Hunt for Red October. And if you have any suggestions for new movies for us to review, send us an email at dishingthroughdecades at gmail.com or find us on Podbean. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 